0: In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Well, Wisconsin is 1 in 3 for the first time since 1990. Obviously, everyone has seen that stat. They fall to 0 and 8 in their last eight games against ranked teams. The offense scoring about 12 points per game in those games. It was ugly yesterday against Michigan. They beat the Badgers 38 to 17. Wisconsin, I believe has been outscored 51 seven in the fourth quarter the last two weeks. It has been ugly, Jesse. Uh, and it continues to get uglier. And the vitriol from fans has, has gotten ugly, got ugly for Graham Mertz yesterday, ended up in the hospital. Uh, obviously, thankfully was uh, released last night with a chest injury, but I don't really, I mean, bad, just bad, (laughs) all around bad. Like, and we'll get in, we're going to get into a a number of different things. We'll break down the game from Saturday, but I think it's also worthwhile to look at this big picture wise. And we will do that too, because of so many people calling for Paul Chris head and and firings, this and firings that I think it's worthwhile to look at this big picture wise as well. Um, But I think it's probably, also worthwhile to start with the game because um, it's just the latest example of uh, things not trending in the right direction. Yeah.
1: The the offensive line was terrible. I think we should start there. Yeah, (laughs) They couldn't pass protect to save their life. Um, You know, you see, you see Graham Merrick's get hurt and you watch the play and a cornerback came free on a, a corner blitz and no one picked him up and he just drilled Graham. And that's why Graham ended up in the hospital. And Statistically, all, you look at these things and it's mind boggling that the leading rusher was Braylon Allen with 19 yards. And the last time anybody finished a game at Wisconsin and the leading rusher had 19 yards or fewer was Brian Calhoun back in 2005 against Iowa in a loss. He had 18 yards in that game.
0: Do you remember, we talked about that game earlier this week because that was the game that was Barry Alvarez's final home game as coach. And so it, it kind of pairs nicely with <laughs> what happened on Barry Alvarez day yesterday.
1: Yes, um, that was the lead to my story, by the way, that I thought it was fitting that it was Barry Alvarez day and they showed all these videos and montages and he's talked to the fans at halftime on and, and as I had said, they made a great effort to turn back the clock, but the team turned it all the way back to 1990 because <laughs> they just looked horrid um, outside of two drives offensively. I mean, the, the offensive line, I go back to that. They gave up six sacks. Last time that happened was 2015 in a loss to Northwestern. You see a trend, right? They, they have terrible statistical outputs, and these are all losses. And I just – this is probably part of the big picture. But my story off the game was that they just don't have an offensive identity. And I suppose it's easy to say, well, if they just had a good offensive line, that would change a lot of things. That is true. But when I asked Paul that question, that as we know, the staples of this program, you have to have a good offensive line – and a, a sound running game that can crank out yardage against good teams and quarterbacks that don't beat themselves. Well, the quarterbacks have 11 turnovers in 3 games now, even though Graham or in 4 games, even though Graham didn't have any. I asked Paul what the identity was and he said, you've got what are we going to hang our hat on? Sometimes we've been good at running the ball, sometimes we've thrown the ball efficiently. But there isn't a strong identity right now. And he said, I don't want us to be known as an inconsistent group. And maybe that is our identity right now. And we've got to change that. To me, that's like you're in your seventh year as the head coach. And for all the success you've had, to be saying that and acknowledging that, which I think we all can see, doesn't really (laughs) say a lot about the direction of the program right now and, and the faith that you've gotten in where this team's going.
0: Definitely. I mean, we talk. you mentioned the offensive line one guy that played, you know, of the starting unit had a pass blocking grade better than 35.9. This is out yes. of 100. Right? I w- this is out of 100. <laughs> yes. Josh Seltzner was 52.7, which isn't good. But Logan Bruss, 35.4. Tyler Beach, 34.0. Kane Lyles, who was a late add to the starting unit because of Joe Tippman getting poked in the eye in warmups, which <laughs> sounds about right for Wisconsin this year. He uh, finished with a 35.9 uh, pass blocking grade. And Jack Nelson was 23.6. Yep. So, yep. Um. you know, w- Michael. Go, ba- go back go to it. Yeah, I was just going to say, go back to Tyler Beach in the first game when he had like a zero rating. It wasn't as bad as that, apparently, but it certainly felt like it for all those guys up and down the line. It was bad, 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 bad.
1: Michael Fertney had a
0: 26.7. Chesma um, Malusi. Like 0.0 yeah i mean (laughs) right 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 but like ferney played eight snaps so it's hard to i mean it wasn't good but it's hard to to sit there and and destroy him but um because they didn't do their normal i guess rotating at least in terms of putting guys in like on the third drive or and look i mean the biggest surprise is logan brown not playing at all yeah in, in terms of personnel but when you, when you have those type of grades, uh, it's going to affect you, and it's the reason their quarterback wasn't able to finish the game.
1: And I don't know what they do here is the problem. Like, these are supposed to be your best players, which is what Paul said, too, that they're playing because you think they give you the best chance, and, and he's going to say that he still believes in the group, but they've just been so inconsistent that – for, for all the talk about the great recruiting classes that they've had the last few years, those are really young guys and, and they're not necessarily ready to have those roles, but the guys that you thought should be aren't playing well enough for this team to have a chance. And, you know, we didn't see the line rotations as much. There were no line rotations in the first half. I think they started it on the third drive of the second half, which was the one that chase Wolf ended up fumbling on. And then for the majority of the second half, or at least the fourth quarter, they had the, the different interior Now Joe Tippin was in that group because he didn't play early for the reason that you had mentioned being poked in the eye. Pretty inauspicious start for the line. I just don't know what you do here. Who do you put in and who can you trust? And and when you're asking
0: that question about Wisconsin's offensive line, you've got serious problems. And where does this fall? Who does, who does yeah. where does this blame fall? I mean, obviously Paul Chris has to take blame for everything that happens with a program. He's he's there, but he's not the one that's working with him on a daily basis. It's, it's Joe Rudolph. And um, I guess you can only, I mean, recruit and develop. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen these guys play good football. I mean, we've seen Logan Pruss play really good football, but he didn't yesterday. It feels like at different times this year, it's been like one or two guys hurting and not playing well. Yesterday, it felt like everybody. Perhaps, I guess, outside of Josh Seltzer, but again, those grades n- not positive. And then you turn over the run game, the thing that you're supposed to be really, really good at. Like pass blo- pass blocking is what it is. Like, yeah, you're you know you're <laughs> you are what you are. Uh, sometimes pass blocking at Wisconsin, but you're supposed to be able to run the ball, and they can't do that either. I mean, they had 32 carries for 43 yards yesterday. Braylon Allen led them with rushing with five carries for 19 yards, and and maybe he needs maybe he needs more uh, carries considering. If you're not going to open holes, let the guy that's uh, 240 pounds run behind you. I thought he ran hard. I thought he ran well. But, yeah, I mean, it just it's not just one thing with the offensive line. It's its its both aspects of it, and it was just ugly yesterday. And I know I've said that multiple times, but it, get ready to hear it a whole bunch more. When you ask who does the blame fall on, I think ultimately it's Joe Rudolph, right? He's he, –
1: they changed his duties in the off season because calling the plays conflicted with his ability to coach the offensive line in game, make changes. So now your entire focus, and he is the run game coordinator as well. That's his title, but your entire focus is this offensive line. And so people want to look to place blame. And, and when you're one and three, that's understandable. I think a lot of it falls on him. I don't know what that means for the future. Obviously, Paul and and Joe Rudolph are extremely close. They spent time together for a long time. Rudy was on the staff at Pittsburgh as well. And I think that would be a really difficult decision to make if Paul at the end of the season, because again, I don't, we've seen it before at other times with other programs and even at Wisconsin, where you make a change in season uh, in terms of coaching. And I'm not saying that that is the answer at all right now. I'm just saying that that's something you evaluate and it'll probably come after the season. I think that's that's awfully difficult um, from from Paul Chriss' perspective. But if you're not effective and you're the coach and you're paid to get these guys to play well, where does the buck stop? And, and, and I go back to when Caden Lyles was talking after the game on Saturday, what, what was the message from Joe Rudolph to the offensive line after the game? And it was about that, that Rudolph was going to put in a lot of effort to get them better but it was about closing the gap on things that they needed to close them on. And and Lyles is listing off whether that's somebody's footwork, somebody's hand placement, pad level, knowing the scheme and what they're trying to accomplish. And it's like, shouldn't these be things you talk about in August during fall camp? Like we're into October in the middle of big 10 play. And it feels like things haven't been shored up. And I also think this is sort of big picture. I just wonder about this team. Will they sort of fall apart the rest of this season? Just talking the guys about some of the things that have cropped up believe Leo Chanel is talking about body language and how guys are hanging their heads down two scores in the fourth quarter those aren't the conversations you have with winning teams and i just wonder where where do we go from here over the next eight games yeah I,
0: when it comes to you know being one in three they've also played the teams that they yes. played i believe are 14 and 1
1: Yes, and okay, I, right. I, I think I think I,
0: that's worth noting too. But I also think I know, if, if you're a Wisconsin, the expectation is, you, yes, you're supposed totally. to be one of those good teams too. Yes, no, I completely agree. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, if uh, they start the season like normal, where they're playing three non-conference games and they get a Big Ten West team to open the Big Ten, and they're sitting there at four and zero, and then they go and finish the season, you know, eight and four or something like that. Maybe we look at this differently, but it hasn't started that way. And the way, and, and if they lo- lost the games at the end of the season, like they've lost these, the, the same questions I think would pop up because it's just you're doing it in such a non Wisconsin way. You're doing it by turning by not taking care of the ball. You had, uh, what two more turnovers, I essentially three with Hunter Wolder getting hit by the punt. Um, you know, you had Chase Wolf fumbling and throwing an interception. Um, everyone saw, I think, why Paul Chris had not gone to Chase Wolf earlier, and you know, you also have uh, the inability to run the ball, an ability to protect the passer, uh, a, a defense who gave up some big plays and, and couldn't get. It's it's hard to criticize them because they're on the field so much, but um, you know, there were a couple of big plays here and there that could have turned the game um, when it was still in doubt. I think it was what was it, thirteen to ten when when Caesar Williams gave up a third down a third and 10 pass that set set up Michigan uh, set up a Michigan touchdown now I don't think Wisconsin's offense without Graham Mertz was going to score again and and obviously they were able to do so late in that game but it just hasn't looked like what we've come to know as Wisconsin and you're right I don't it's difficult to see how it turns around and, and I don't think just do you think Paul Chris knows how his guys are going to respond like I didn't get the sense that he uh does No, I don't.
1: And that was one of the things that I wrote that he just, and he was asked, what is, what is his mood? And um, is he angry? And I, I, he just, he seemed to me like a man who was frustrated because they've, they put all this time into this season and you think it's the results should come. And I thought he showed some fire. And honestly, I thought that was one of his (laughs) fans don't care about this because the results are what matter, but, to me, that was one of his best post-game press conferences in a long time because you could see the, the, <laughs> what's burning him up inside. Because when, when he was asked whether he was pissed or what, is, uh, what emotion he was feeling, he was talking about that he, he wanted to look inward, which he said before, but that he, he has to do better. And he talked about the things that drives him, like the, the competitiveness, the care, and the fact that this is his job. And probably my favorite quote from the whole thing is that he said, I've got no problem with people that want to bitch about me because this is my job. This is where I'm at. I want to take it and not project it on the kids. And I think, I mean, you don't really hear Paul talk like that very often. When he's busting out the swearing, things are, are probably not going particularly well. And I, I, to me, that hints at that he's fully aware of, I would think, some of the outside noise. And, and maybe that's simply the booing across Camp Randall Stadium. But it feels like the pressure's starting to mount here. Because this is not the expectation at Wisconsin. And you're right. The three losses have come against teams that are 14 and one. And had they lost and played well, we'd probably still be concerned. But the fact that they have been so bad in a lot of those moments, it's just not even close. It just feels like, man, they've really dropped off a level. Um, And maybe they still beat the teams they're supposed to beat in the Big Ten West. Maybe they go down to Champaign and pummel Illinois and you start to feel a little bit better. But I don't have any confidence that they're going to beat Iowa. Or maybe even some of these other teams that that are that are just decent because we haven't seen enough of it offensively any, for Wisconsin.
0: I don't have any confidence they're going to go win next week. Like, why? Would, <laughs> where, where would your confidence for that be coming from? Especially if Graham doesn't play,
1: it would not be high. Um, and obviously, the, the the intrigue around that is, is Brett is back in the Big Ten. It's not like Illinois is a good team this year, but you can't say Wisconsin is either. So, yeah, that's a fair point too. I can't uh, say I'm confident they're going to go down there and anyway. win.
0: Wisconsin currently looking up at Illinois in the Big Ten West standings. Well,
1: that that is true. They got they drew Penn State and Michigan to open, so uh, maybe they just run through the West like they do in a lot of years. And 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 we we look at things a little differently in a few
0: weeks, but probably I, I don't know. I don't have much not. confidence right that's, now. That's that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> no, that's 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 not that that is unlikely to happen. But I think I, I think it's also worthwhile in talking about the game to talk about two drives that were very very positive. Yeah, absolutely. They, they were a very good step in the right direction. Uh Wisconsin, the the first four drives, total of twelve plays minus two yards. Then comes fifteen plays, seventy-eight yards, a couple of third and short conversions. Uh I think there was a fourth and uh short conversion in there as well. And you get it you get a field goal out of it. You obviously, would have liked to have finished it, but 15 plays, 78 yards. It was signs of life from the offense. And then and then you get uh <laughs> Out of nowhere, after Michigan, after the special teams, we I guess we haven't really talked about how the special teams has uh, fal- faltered again. By certainly the, the Hunter Holder play, but then kicking the ball out of bounds gives Michigan a short field. They kick a field goal to take a thirteen to three lead. Then Graham comes alive. He th- he hits DK down the middle for a big game for thirty six yards. Then a perfect eighteen yard touchdown to DK in the corner of the end zone. Three play, sixty three yards, twenty two seconds, and it's thirteen to ten ball game at the half. And in those boos that had. Been raining down at one point, turned to cheers, and all of a sudden it was like, "Okay, well, maybe, maybe they they found some life here." Obviously, that did not uh, continue the second half because Graham got knocked out on the third play of the of the second half due to an offensive line breakdown. But those two drives, and especially the second drive with with some of the throws, I shouldn't even say that the first the first play of the of the uh, fifteen play drive, the throw to Jake Ferguson was. Probably one of Graham's best throws of the year. I know people are saying that was like a low bar, but um, it was a really, really good throw. And then the two to DK, the first one to DK was a that was the pass that he missed for the game-winning touchdown against Penn State. So I, I, those two plays or that, those two drives, especially the last drive, was I think uh, kind of why you see people believe in Graham Mertz.
1: 100 percent correct. And when he. This hasn't always been the case because he's been inaccurate on, on several occasions, but you see he's got a clean pocket. They protect him, and he's got time. He can deliver it with, with the best quarterbacks in the country. Like The, the passes that he put on, especially, and, it, and DK made some great catches too, but he put them on there in the perfect spot. Graham was 0-4-4 to start this game. That went into when the, the first four drives ended in three and outs, and he closes the half completing 8 of 10 passes for 115 yards with a touchdown. And you're right, the pass... That's really what got it rolling. The pass to Jake Ferguson. He dropped it in between two defenders for 19 yards. It was the first first down they'd had the entire game, and you're halfway into the second quarter, which is ridiculous. But then they kick the field goal, and, and Graham has those back-to-back passes to Chimray DK. Which, by the way, <laughs> Paul was asked on Thursday, going leading into the game, why Chimray hadn't been involved more, and he said that he thought his time was coming. I found it interesting. He played 40 plus snaps. Chimray did, and Jack Dunn played one. Yep. I don't, <laughs> I, I, you know, the previous week, Dunn played more than twice as many snaps as again, DK.
0: Again, I, I don't know if we talked about this, but DK was dinged up. He got mm-hmm. he got rolled up against Eastern Michigan, and I don't know why. Maybe maybe that's on me for not tweeting it out or talking about it but he got rolled up against Michigan uh, Eastern Michigan was not a hundred percent they worked overtime to get him uh cleared to be, actually be able to play against Notre Dame and he was healthy enough to play but he wasn't close to hundred percent obviously was feeling much better uh this week and it certainly turned out uh, to be that way in terms of the the snap counts which is that's exactly what the snap counts should be it should be mm-hmm. DK and and Davis and Pryor getting a majority of them Jack Dunn um not to be an ass, but shouldn't see the field very much if those other three guys are healthy and ready to go. Yeah, and I'm, you know, right. My point
1: was, like, Jack played one snap. That's the fewest he's played all season, probably the fewest he's played in a couple of seasons, but it's because Chimray can make plays that Jack can't. Those two catches are why Chimray needs to be on the field when he's healthy, and then that top three wide receiver group can can do some things when the quarterback throws it accurately and, and has the time. So I thought that was notable as well, but, but for Graham, big two drives and then just like Wisconsin season for it to end with him being knocked out. Now you wonder, I mean, what are they going to do this week? Is he even going to be available? Cause if he's not, I don't know what you do at quarterback. You don't, you don't have, you don't have a lot of faith right now.
0: I don't think chase Wolf because he just can't take care of the ball. Yeah, you're not going to play. I, I'm sorry, but they're not going to play Danny Boom. They're not like, I, it's going to be chase Wolf. I, I can't imagine it will be anybody else. Do you think you really think they're going to play Danny? No, I never said they did. I just said, "What do you?" I, I meant,
1: "What do you do?" Like, I mean, what do you do? What is, your, what is your what is your game plan? Who who? How can you trust Chase to take care of the ball? And you know, I, I like Chase as, <laughs> as a kid, and he's fun to watch as a player. But this has been his thing the entire time. I mean, I go back to John Budmeyer talking in 2019 in fall camp when back when it was Chase and Graham, especially that first week. Like they were really locked in it when we could watch practices for the backup spot, even though we kind of knew that Graham was probably going to overtake it in the end, but Meyer was talking. Even then you've got to be able to trust him when he puts some of those throws in, it's been all about decision-making for him. And we still haven't seen enough improvement in that regard. He said he short-armed the throw that, that was interception intercepted and that he liked the the coverage and the concept. But again, you got to go out and execute. We haven't seen enough of that.
0: No, we haven't. And, and I guess, you know, we'll see if it ends up uh, happening next week. Cause um you know, you go to the hospital, I guess, we don't know what the X-rays or whatever was done at the hospital, how that played out. But if he got released, that has to be a, a rather, I guess, a positive thing. Uh, playing status undetermined. I guess we'll know more on Monday when he is usually allowed to speak. We'll see if he's if he's allowed to speak. I'm guessing probably not, but we'll see. Big picture, though, Jesse. I think is is we'll we'll transition into that. A lot of people calling for Paul Chris' job. A lot of people on on Twitter calling for Paul Chris' job. People want him fired, like this week. That's not going to happen, and it's not going to happen at the end of the year. It's just—I mean, it's just not. But where is this program headed is the question. Paul Chris is not going to be gone of this year, no matter. It's not going to happen. Paul going can be the coach next year. Uh, what he's done over his time, over the entirety of his career, has been impressive. Right around seventy percent winning percentage, in and the, the the Big Ten West titles, and the the your your favorite bowl win over Miami in the in the Orange Bowl. Like those are all very impressive things, but it's probably also worthwhile noting. Now he's now they're now nine and ten since the middle of twenty nineteen, and five at eight in the last thirteen games. I don't know where it's headed. I think we've seen downturns like this before, and they've been able to come out of them. Uh, Wisconsin specifically uh, went back and looked at it. You think about after you know nineteen ninety three they go to the Rose Bowl, and they win the Rose Bowl, and they come back, and they're I think they're eight four and one the next year, and then they hit a downturn. And then Barry Alvarez was able to put pick him back out of it ninety-eight and ninety-nine and two thousand to an extent. And then they hit another downturn in two thousand one, where the last time that they were under five hundred and didn't go to a bowl game. And he was able to turn that around before he gave up, you know, as, as the coach, or he gave up his job as the coach and became the full time athletic director. He pulled him out of it. Even Brett Bielmo to an extent, you know, in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, was able to pull it back out when it seemed to be going down. But I don't know if Paul Chris is is going to be able to do that. I don't. And it just doesn't make a ton of sense because they've been able to recruit at such a better level. Now, a lot of those guys are not yet playing, but um, there's a, there's at least a, a little bit of a question whether they will be able to pull out of the dip just based on what we've seen. Now, again, everything could change. They could go on an on eight-game winning streak and, and change the narrative and all that. But yesterday was not a good sign. Yesterday was not a good look to their ability to pull out of this.
1: I wasn't covering Wisconsin 20 plus years ago, obviously. But one thing I would be interested to know is when Barry was going through some of those struggles, were people calling for his job? Um, maybe there was a vocal minority. I don't know. I, part of me wonders, we're in a, we're in a different era. It's Social a different media. culture.
0: Social media did so not exist in 2001. It, that,
1: and that's what I'm getting at is that everybody has a voice and everybody is very reactive and wants to fire everybody. how many times, times have people wanted to... Fire Greg Gard on the basketball side. That's for a different conversation. But I do wonder how much that has contributed to this feeling of panic's not the right word, but and maybe it is just this, this sense of foreboding and, and how terrible things are. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a different era. But to your point, no, I don't. It's going to take a lot, I think, for them to make a change at the top. And a lot maybe means a couple more seasons like this. Maybe they don't make a bowl. Maybe they are a 500 team for a couple of years. But I think what he's done to this point has has created a longer leash. But if this continues to slide backward, and I think it's fair to say they have at this point, then there will be a breaking point. But for me right now, it's tough to say that 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 we've reached that. And programs go through this all the time. We're just not used to it at Wisconsin very often. So ultimately it is up to Paul and and the staff and the players to pull themselves out of this and and not fracture, come apart at the seams this season. I don't know what we'll see the rest of the way, but I don't think there's, I don't think any type of change is imminent. And I do think there is a sense in in the culture that we're in to be extremely reactive right now. And I can understand the anger and the frustration because of how badly they've been, but let's just say you talk about those recruiting classes. Let's just say some of those young guys, do get ready. Let's say they're prepared to play next season, the offensive line looks like a more of a quintessential Wisconsin O line. I mean, that could fix a lot of things. Graham's still got many years in this program. Um, that could change a lot of things as well. So I, I don't know. I mean, the defense is still playing at a very high level. They just need an offense to match that. Unfortunately, we've been saying that for the last two seasons.
0: A lot of people seem to be under the impression that Jim Leonard is leaving after this year and that there's a real sense of worry that he is going to leave and uh, never come back (laughs) as, as if he's got somewhere he needs to go or somewhere he needs to be more so than at Wisconsin, which uh, I'm on the record saying no matter when or where he is, when the Wisconsin job comes open, he'll be their top option. And I think he would come home, but do you think that's a legitimate concern that, if Jim Leonard uh, wants to leave or is going to leave, the team should then fire Paul Christ and, and, and uh, elevate Jim Leonard to head coach?
1: No, I'd, I'd never see that happening. I just don't. It doesn't... For, for as much as fans would want to see that, I don't, I don't ever see that happening. <laughs> not, at, not at a place like Wisconsin. And whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. I don't even know... The other, the topic about whether this is it for Jim and he's leaving, that's a hard one to answer too, because he's had so many chances to leave and maybe it's different this year because there's frustration about the defense is putting it out there and it doesn't matter. But he talked even uh, what six weeks ago, whenever fall camp was eight weeks ago about the idea that there was unfinished business and wanting to help lead this program to a different level. And, Win a conference championship, something that he didn't do as a player, something that he hasn't been able to do as an assistant coach here. So if that drive is is still one of your primary factors in being a coach here, that shouldn't change. Maybe what changes is you think it's not as possible, because <laughs> again, right. the team's sliding backwards. But I I don't know that there, there does seem to be a lot of trepidation about he's gonna leave and and if he's not guaranteed the the head coaching job or something like that. I mean, that's the other thing. Like when we asked him in the spring about a lot of people thought you would have taken the green Bay Packers defensive coordinator job. You talk about the it, it's uh, people have a lot of thoughts about what he should be doing, but yeah. just because people think that he, there's something to be said for job security and being happy where you are and raising a family and, and being at a place that you love and valuing it. And I do think that that will carry the day <laughs> after this season, but that doesn't mean there won't be chances for him to leave again. I just, I mean, why would one year make a difference if you could have been the Packers defensive coordinator and decided
0: to stay? What is going to entice you to leave, you know? I would assume running his own program. Uh, he was in, in the mix for the Illinois job this this year. Um, I don't know if he would have actually taken it if offered, but there was certainly interest there. Yeah, And I would imagine that there will be interest uh, continued interest in him I don't know whether it'll be enough to pull him away, but again i'm I'm of the opinion, and I could be completely wrong. maybe he'll get to this place and he'll be like Alvarez and want to you know establish roots and and you know build a program from within and, and make it his own and he'll be like he'll be like Alvarez at this other place being there for the rest of his life, but I don't see that I, I see him as a Wisconsin guy through and through like home is always here. And, you know, he may go elsewhere, he may go to another school, or whether it's a power five school or, or not. But I think if the Wisconsin job were to open up, and I know some people think it should open up after this year, it's not going to, but if it were to open up at some point down the road, I think he comes back. And so I, 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 I don't know, I guess I'm not, your, your defense would certainly take a hit without Jim Leonard. There's no doubt about that, but I just don't think it's something where you would be like, Hey. Yeah, uh, Paul, you're gone. We're gonna put Jim Leonard here. Uh, he's he's the next head coach. Could you see something where they put him as head coach and waiting to keep him? No, me neither. Me neither.
1: <laughs> Paul's been here I'm seven years. He's in his Paul's been here seven years. He's in his mid fifties. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's got a lot of time left if he wants to be here. And so I just that just doesn't. I don't see it happening.
0: Yeah. No. Again, I'm throwing these things out here because that is what is being uh, thrown at me. Whether, yeah, pretty much just on social media, but
1: because and- if you do that, you're essentially saying that you're just waiting for Paul to get out, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's the only time you see a head coach in waiting when the coach is at the end of the road. Yeah, well, I mean, uh,
0: who's the defense coordinator at Clemson? Um, who's Brent been Venables. The- yeah, it-, it feels like he's the head coach in waiting, and whenever, and obviously Dabo is at a point, but like he's he ha- he's had opportunities, he hasn't left. I, I, I kind of view, and now him and Dabo are obviously tied at the hip a lot closer than I think Paul and, and Jim Leonard are at this point, but I don't know. I, I don't envision him going elsewhere, and even if he does, I think he comes back at some point as the head coach of Wisconsin. I, I think no matter what happens, he's going to be the next head coach of Wisconsin, whether it's three year, two years down the line, three years down the line, or ten years down the line. It is, it, that's, that's my feeling on it. We'll see. I I could be completely wrong on that, but I I don't think people should be um, worried that him leaving is going to be that he's never coming back. It's just, I just don't see that. So, all right, let's get into some of these Twitter questions, Jesse. Um,
1: I'm sure everybody was very calm, cautious. Am I right?
0: A lot of it's opinion, right? Like it's been, like Zach says, uh, it's been a fan. I've been a fan of Chris, but this season has been embarrassing on offense. Rudolph not developing online without JT tailbacks have not been developed. Is it time for a new offensive coaches across the board? I think there are going to be changes if this if this continues. And even if it doesn't continue, I, I, I do think Paul took a step last year in his relationship with Joe Rudolph in demoting him. I think that, was, that, that is significant. He is a very loyal person, and for him to demote him, even though you didn't, they didn't call it a demotion, it certainly was. If this keeps up, I think that there will be a change. And I think it, what makes it even more difficult for people is to look across the line and see, and see an offensive line coach in Bob Bostad, who was pretty successful as the mm-hmm. line coach at Wisconsin, and, and obviously went on and coached at the NFL a couple different places, and now he's coaching inside linebackers and has been for the last several years. But there's a lot of people just like, get Joe Rudolph out of here, put Bob Bostad in.
1: Yeah, I think there's a few different possibilities, and that that is a possibility. I see that a lot in the comment sections of my stories. And if you were to do that, then you know, I, the other thing I, I wonder is, will Paul consider bringing in an outside voice to call the plays? But if you do that, then you also have to get rid of another assistant coach because you can only right. you've got nine full time assistant coaches. You know, so you know,
0: you know which coach I would get rid of.
1: Uh, I'm going to guess Chris Herring.
0: (laughs) It's not even about Chris Herring. It's just about a special teams coach. We, Mm we, we, we watch practice, right? We watch practice. All the other assistant coaches are involved in special teams too. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't, and Chris Herring goes and works with the kickers and punters and law. And and usually it's long snappers. So I just, I, I I think it is a, not a great use of an on-field coach, nothing to do with Chris Herring whatsoever, even though the special teams have not been great. I would, uh, yeah, that's where I would take that position from. But look, I know Barry Alvarez was a defensive coach, so it was a little bit easier to do this. But Barry did the same thing when the offense was struggling in 2000, uh, in that era where he was trying to turn it around, where the defense was really strong. They had a really strong defense in 2004, but their offense was horrible. And they went out and got Paul Christ and brought him in in 2005. And, and the offense... Was uh, not unstoppable, it was really, really, really good in 2005. And obviously throughout much of Paul Chriss' tenure as the offensive coordinator, it was really, really good. Now, again, Barry was a defensive coach, so it wasn't like he was doing anything, but we've seen it before.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a very viable option. Again, if this continues, it just seems like there's just an awful lot that Paul's got to be responsible for when you're also the quarterback's coach which I, I don't see him giving that up because you're, you're not going to bring in, at least at this point, I don't see him, you using a, one of your assistant coaching spots on a quarterback's coach when you've got some of these other issues going on. So I think, yeah, there would certainly be a couple options. And I do think that I do think Paul would be willing to make some of those difficult decisions because what matters is the, the performance on the field. And right
0: now it's not there. Yeah. Uh, Jared says uh, for a program, which is on the ascent recruiting wise, how do you address apparent Trash coaching while (laughs) considering his or their value in recruiting. And I think he's um, pointing towards Joe Rudolph. Um, Well, he he mentioned Joe Rudolph. I'm not going to even say that. He said, for example, Joe Rudolph. (laughs) Does that have to play? Does that come into play? So
1: the question is do you take into account if someone is a good recruiter but not performing as a coach, essentially? Yeah. Um, I think what it comes down to is coaching in that situation uh they've been able to recruit offensive linemen for a long time even though i think joe has done an exceptional job recruiting offensive linemen and the way you listen to some of these recruits and their families talk about joe you you really recognize how valued he is ultimately though i think and i'm not again i'm not calling for anybody to to lose their job i'm i'm but i in the context of this question i think you would what's most important is the development of the players and the performance of the players. So that's where I lean.
0: Yeah, I would agree. CT Badger says this team is in complete disarray and the defense is getting burned out. Not sure. I see many wins left. Tell me which games the Badgers will win this year. Besides of course their win against Eastern Michigan. (laughs) I think they'll win against Illinois.
1: Um, If they don't God help us all. (laughs) I think they'll beat army. I think they will beat. I think they'll beat Rutgers, even though Rutgers is um, better than we've seen. And it is a road game. That's three right there, but they've
0: got to go. Rutgers just lost 52 to 13
1: to Ohio State. Right. A lot of teams lose like that to Ohio State, even when Ohio State isn't great. Anyway, I think there's three wins there. They got to go five and two, (laughs) right? Or five and three to get to a bowl game. Yeah, five and three the rest of the way. So basically, the question is, where are the five wins?
0: Well, Northwestern, <laughs> Northwestern's horrible.
1: Yeah, Northwestern—that's a home game. Nebraska's a home game. I think they—I do think they get there. But but the fact that this is the discussion we're having after four games is um, shocking.
0: And the conversation will will change significantly if if they lose at Illinois next week. Oh yeah, um, right. Yeah,
1: I, do, I I don't think they beat Iowa, even though that's a game at Camp Randall. Iowa's I don't just, either. That's gonna be but, but
0: think, that's gonna be ugly. Well, oh, I it, shouldn't say. It you could. know what? They play no. them close. I mean, they here's, win a lot. <laughs> here's here's <laughs> the thing: thirteen to ten uh, up against Notre Dame in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Within thirteen to ten at halftime uh, against Michigan, and your quarterback gets knocked out. They are not that much worse, in my opinion. They are not that much that much worse than those two teams, despite the forty-one to thirteen and the thirty-eight to seventeen score. I don't think that they're that much worse than those two teams. Is that? Do you think that's accurate or, or would you push back against that?
1: Uh, that's a really hard one to answer because they've just completely fallen apart at the end of the games, and I think that is a significant component in determining how close you are to another team, but it's worth throwing in the Penn State game too. They, they were bad for most of the game and still could have won uh, near the end, and here's a Penn State team that's you know, currently positioned for college football playoff spot, right? Undefeated top four. So I don't know. They're capable. I'd like, sure. Certainly they're capable of beating Iowa. It's just what confidence level do you have in them at this point? I do think the rest of the games they should have a chance to win. So that's the thing about the West. For the most part, the West is never really very good, (laughs) which is part of why Wisconsin has been able to go to the big 10 championship a lot of those years and then lose to an East division team. Maybe that's not fair either. But just look at the West. Yeah, yeah they're zero too. two Penn but, State, Michigan.
0: Yeah, but Iowa was good. No, I was good. That's I what I'm saying. Re- I was really good. I was uh, really like, good. The rest I of teams. Yeah, I don't. I, mean, I don't think they have a shot. I don't think they have a shot against Iowa. Um, that's fair. I'm just saying. Like, look at the rest of these games. They're all winnable. Right. Yeah, yeah. Except for Iowa. Um, yeah. Okay. In my opinion, in my yeah, look, that's that's my opinion. They're a top five team right now, they played like it. Now, Wisconsin. If you look at like strength of schedule, like Wisconsin strength of schedule is fourth, I believe, in the, in the country. Alabama, Georgia, and there's, uh, I believe, Clemson are ahead of them in, in strength of schedule. Wisconsin's one of just... Uh, so Wisconsin's one and three. The only other team in the top 10 that's under 500 in terms of strength of schedule is Indiana, who is two and three. Iowa's strength of schedule, number 10. So it's not like they've played nobody's either, and they made, to his brother uh <laughs> look like absolute trash the other day through five interceptions on Friday night. So yeah, I don't maybe these some of the others games, all these other games are winnable. I don't think the Iowa right now I don't think the Iowa one is. Let's see. Gator says is it safe to assume injuries have completely ruined Tyler Beach with all these recent four and five star linemen, how could there not be a better option at left tackle?
1: Hmm. I don't know if completely ruined is fair, but he hasn't been good in <laughs> a couple critical games. <laughs> Three? Out uh, of the four? Two out of the four? Two and a half. Uh I don't know. I don't know. I mean, then you wonder what was there something going on with Logan Brown? Was he just has he just not been effective?
0: Well, he you are the one that broke down his, his pass blocking grade to this point. It was pretty good. It was not good, but I mean no, no, no. His run grade was horrible. Oh, his oh, run grade. I'm, yeah. I'm talking about Logan. His his mm-hmm. run game, his run grade was horrible. His pass grade was was pretty good. Yeah,
1: I I don't know what to make of Beach. You know, an offensive lineman at Wisconsin, especially when they're veterans, you just expect so much more from them. It doesn't always turn out that way. Sometimes it's injuries. I mean, I look at David Edwards last season. He was hurt. He wasn't as good as he was the year before. So that happens. But as far as we know, like Beach isn't playing hurt now. He didn't get much time to work in fall camp. I can't really explain it. And I don't know what they do uh, instead, because the alternative is. I mean I would think the alternative is putting a younger guy in who may not necessarily be ready and I don't think they're they're ready to do that unless you're just going to completely flip the line and I don't think they're going to do that either right like move no. Russ over and put Nelson at tackle and like they, that's just a complete overhaul that
0: I don't see happening. No, what they need to do is give him some help. However, that that would mean that the rest of the line has to hold up their end of it and mm-hmm. they're not doing it right now. Like if you if you want to give them a a tight end chip in the defensive end or, um, you know, the running back being over that side or, or even keeping an extra guy in, you can do that, but then you're also counting other other guys to win their one-on-ones. And yesterday they did not do that. So I don't really know. You know, Kurt says, all I can come up with is what, how, and why. (laughs) Uh, Ridgeway Nut says, why, how Really? So These are very thoughtful, enlightening questions. Yeah. Luke says, which coach's group is underperforming more, Rudolph's O-line or Herring's special teams unit? Hmm.
1: The thing about the special teams unit is there's so many of them. So maybe it's easier to find <laughs> what's not gone well. <laughs> uh, I have to say the offensive line. I, I do. Because you could at least say there's parts of special teams that are Okay, (laughs) Colin Larch, a revelation. I mean, that was one of the biggest questions coming in. Like, what do they do with kicker? And like, we really haven't talked about that at all. Maybe that's because they've just been so bad in so many other areas. To me, it's the offensive line because I think you can win games despite uh, some special teams mistakes, not probably some of the ones we've seen, like giving up a touchdown to Notre Dame or, you know, having the muffed punt return there but for the most part like if your offensive line is not good like wisconsin has no chance so i have to say the o-line yeah
0: A numb wisconsin sports fan asks um and we've we've talked about this but got to get you on the record if jim leonard were to get an offer to go somewhere else and the only way to keep most promote him to head coach what do you do oof
1: i still don't see them doing it um i just don't would you Oh man, that's a really hard question. Um I I I don't I would like to know how the next 8 games play out. I do think <laughs> that I mean honestly though, I do think that has to be part of the equation if this team completely collapses and goes 4 and 8 and looks like it doesn't belong <laughs> on the field in a lot of, in some of these moments that would factor into my equation. If they, if they lose one game the rest of the year and it's to Iowa, yeah, you may not feel great about Wisconsin, but eight and four is a little bit different. And you've, you can have some reason to say that this that Paul Christ is going to turn some things around. So I, no, I wouldn't right now. And as much as that would hurt Badgers fans, I just, I, that's a really difficult change to make. Wisconsin's in a difficult spot in that regard. And maybe, maybe it's easier if you have absolutely no ties to Wisconsin and you don't care if you burn a bridge or something like that. Maybe Jim Leonard is the coach who can lead him to the promised land. I don't know. That's a very difficult uh, position to be in, but
0: I wouldn't. Do you think he – like, say he becomes head coach. What does he change on offense? Does he, does he throw everything Wisconsin? away? Wisconsin? Yeah. Does he throw everything away that's been successful?
1: No. I mean – What do you do? Do you go to – bring, I mean, bring in a different staff?
0: Oh, no, (laughs) of course, no, of course, that would, no. The the entire offensive staff would be gone, If I think, if Jim Leonard took over. I don't know, maybe they keep a guy or two, but um, if Jim Leonard was the head coach, I'm wondering, like, what would that offense look like?
1: I uh, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how drastically different it would be because it's so many of the same things they've kept for such a long time, which has led to them being successful. But I don't know. I don't know what he's like as viewing the, through the window of, of offensively.
0: Well, I think I, he kind of gives you a little bit of an idea just in terms of, you know, being multiple and, and spreading out and having to defend the whole field is like things mm-hmm. that challenge him are, I'm sure things he would like to use to challenge others. And so I, I think we would, I'm not saying they'd go to a spread offense or anything like that, but I think that there would certainly be more components to that. I think they, they would probably have, they would probably uh, turn to uh, try and recruit dual threat quarterbacks Oh, Um, we're gonna go. We're gonna have that again. I yes, I I think they would. I think that certainly does. I think that feels like something Jim Leonard would do uh, because he knows what facing a guy like that can happen. Obviously, you're not gonna want to throw a guy out there that's not good uh, at throwing the ball, but you you want a guy to be able to extend plays um, and throw the ball. But again, it's pointless because in my mind, no matter I, I would they won't do it, and I don't think that they should do it because i think again there's there's no guarantee that jim leonard is going to be the greatest head coach ever right um we don't there's there's no guarantee there now has he failed at anything he's ever tried in sports no but i I feel like uh head coach there's no guarantee and that and that's the other thing with this jesse like even if you were say jim leonard isn't the next head coach even though i think he will be there's no guarantees especially at wisconsin with the with the way that they have to go about things, that the next person would be any better than Paul Crist. And Paul Crist has been pretty darn good. It's just right now, it is, it, for the last season and a half, it has not been. And you, you, but you don't move on. I don't, in my opinion, you don't move on this quickly from someone who's had success as recently as 2019. Well said. Um, Scott says, can an offense called by Paul Crist hum? with below-average O-line play? No. (laughs) Not at
1: all. (laughs) I mean, how? They can't run the ball because they can't open holes. They can't pass protect. So even if you've got something dialed up, if Graham doesn't have time, and he didn't have time a lot in that game, it doesn't matter. You saw what it looked like when, when he had some time. So... That's where it all starts, and it, it starts
0: all- at a lot, a lot of, at a lot of programs like that, but especially Wisconsin. I think it's I think it's worthwhile to note that Graham delivered some passes even when he got hit. Uh, there was a there was a throw yeah. to Kendrick Pryor on the sideline that was got pummeled. Uh, it took a, a number of shots on that the successful drive, the uh, the fifteen play seventy eight yarder, took a bunch of hits, and he kept on delivering the ball. I thought that was a good sign. But you're right, the two throws that he had. Um, to, to Kendrick, there were there was some pressure in his face. Uh, not Kendrick, the the to uh, Chimray, there was some pressure in his face, especially on the first one. Um, he didn't end up getting hit, but there was some pressure there, and it was a great throw. And I think it's just what we've what we think we what we think he can be. There was signs of it there. Yeah. Um, so we kind of talked about this another question, but um, slap Nick. Asks, uh, asks, will this team make a bowl game? And he put a poll out there, and I'll, I'll let you know the results. Uh, <laughs> 84% of the poll says no. Unbelievable. <laughs> right?
1: Uh, yes, I believe that this team will make a bowl game. That, so there, there's my answer to that. I just think <sighs> here's the other question. Uh, other than Iowa, there's no team that is on the rest of the schedule as good as three of the first four opponents they've played. And maybe it comes down to how good do you think Wisconsin is, but I I do think that they're going to win at least five games (laughs) over the next eight.
0: Yeah. Uh, Grandpa says Braylon Allen best running back on the roster or no. (laughs) Um, (sighs) I don't think so. Not
1: right now. That doesn't mean he won't be very soon. I feel like, what he does, he's doing effectively, especially they bring him in for a short yardage situation. He's a guy who's going to just plow forward and knock dudes backward. I don't know that he necessarily has all the tools, but he, he might get there and he might get there this season if he gets more opportunities. I thought it was very telling that you really didn't see much of Isaac Arendo until later. And the fact that they trusted Braylon in some of those situations. So maybe the the winds are shifting a bit in terms of what Gary Brown wants to do.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, that was that was actually a question up uh, higher about, about Gareno. Any info on Gareno? It looked like he got hurt against Notre Dame and, and didn't play today. He he did play a little bit, but he did mm-hmm. get hurt against Notre Dame, and I think that probably played a role. Also, uh, any guesses on uh, Danny Van Boom getting reps? I'm here, this is South Jersey Pete saying I'm willing to give Chase a full game, but this sample size and turnover rate is too high not to be completely random. Uh
1: so I guess the question would be Vanden Boom <laughs> if Graham can't come back and Chase plays against Illinois and they don't do well, would then Vanden Boom be playing against Army? Is that essentially the question? Yes, essentially. Uh I don't know. I oh maybe Graham will be back by then. I I It depends how poorly things go against Illinois. I mean, I'm not going to rule it out completely. Let's just say you don't have Graham and you can't trust Chase. At the very least, you could probably uh, hopefully, if you're a Badgers fan or coaching staff, trust Danny not to make that big mistake, but there's a reason in my mind why he hasn't been higher than third-string quarterback so far in his career. So, that's where I'm at on that.
0: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll finish with this. uh, B.R. Nichols Sent about five tweets, but it was he says this is long but important. And I'm I'm going to give him the respect because he went out and uh, wrote these five tweets. So I'm going to read the the five tweets. uh, Just something to think about, and and maybe uh, you agree with it or maybe you don't. But I'll I'll leave it out there and let you. Uh, make an opinion on it i think it's important to have a discussion about the fact that all programs have had seasons and stretches of cyclical downturn notre dame went four and eight in 2015 texas usc have had recent struggles to think uw with their inherent disadvantages wouldn't have those is naive we're extremely unique program which has a unique way of being successful we can't expect to go out and hire a significantly better coach who can recruit and scheme in a way that will be successful here fickle campbell aren't coming we'll get our fleck do we want that You have to know for sure, 100% that this isn't working before you make that decision to move on. And there is clear data which shows this team is still playing at a high level and that they have faced the hardest schedule in the country to this point. I get that being patient is difficult, but it's only rational choice at this point in time and will be for the foreseeable future. Because if you're wrong about the decision, it has the potential to set back your program decades and erode all that Barry Alvarez has built here.
1: I think that is extremely well put and I agree wholeheartedly. That is a huge decision to make. And if you do it and it doesn't work out, you're in big trouble as a program. And there haven't been a ton of recent examples at Wisconsin. And I mean, the most obvious one is, is the Gary Anderson situation, which isn't entirely fair because he won a lot of games while he was here. And hindsight, I mean, you know, Barry Alvarez has talked many times and I just talked to Barry about this very recently, um, about Gary and and what was going on the, the notion that Gary was changing things in recruiting was we didn't really see the, I suppose the long-term impact on that because he was only here for two years, but Barry talked about that, the, the, the in-state recruiting. And honestly, I, I actually, I just talked to Joe Stavia about this as well. Um,
0: all-time for, winners. all-time winning quarterback in school. history. Yeah.
1: For, uh, so stay tuned very soon for a, a Gary Anderson story, uh, at the athletic, uh, with uh, Stuart Mandel, one of my colleagues, uh, that we're working on, but th- th- that is a real thing. They, they, that was not an emphasis under Gary. That is part of the unique fiber of Wisconsin football. And you see, Barry talked about it too. Nate Stanley, the quarterback who went to Iowa, you know, you got to get somebody like that. Ben Bredesen, the offensive lineman who went to Michigan, basically the only top two, four, seven in-state kid in a long, long time who didn't go to Wisconsin. Uh, maybe that still would have been the case, but. They were just doing things differently and how they recruited. And the longer that that happened, I think Barry was certainly worried. And honestly, Barry told me he said I was relieved (laughs) when I found out that Gary was leaving. And I suppose it's easy to say that now. But you know, just to the point of the question, you bring in somebody and they perhaps start to change what has worked. Yeah, there can be long-term implications. So I, I agree. I just I don't think that they make a change. I do think that a lot of programs go through this. We'll just have to see whether Paul is able to bring them out of it, but he certainly earned the opportunity, I think, to to do that. And there's not going to be a change even after this season. So hang in there. Uh, if Badgers fans, as much as you're hating what's happening now, let's see where it goes from here.
0: Yep. And that will start uh, Saturday down in Champaign as Brett Bielema and Wisconsin face off for the first time since he left in 2012. Uh, we'll be back to talk about that game and and uh, anything we learn about Graham Mertz and more coming up later this week. Until then, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, you've been listening to the Camp here at the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.